0: You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin, for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Majestic and resolute. Where you pursue your dreams with hard work, dedication, sacrifice, discipline, and passion. But above all, it's respect for what the ice can do for you.
2: It was always my goal to make it to the NHL. Since I can remember, I wanted to be a hockey player.
1: When you're hot, you're hot. Ray Leo with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. But the ice, and all its majesty, can hit you back when you least expect it.
2: An injury, my first year pro at 21 years old, led me down a dark path to oxycodone. Shortly after that, I found myself addicted to heroin and not playing hockey.
1: Demons hide in every corner. They can take everything away from you. Everything you worked so hard to achieve. And before you know it, the demons own you.
2: Ultimately, I became homeless on the streets in Vancouver on Hastings, which is widely known as the worst block in North
1: America. Brady Leavold was on the edge of realizing his dream of playing in the NHL. Then he lost it all to drug addiction. I was hiding a dark secret. These are real stories about pain, loss, and genuine people. The sad truth of it all, success comes with a price.
2: Wanted to die any that I was in the psych ward to commit suicide.
1: Welcome to the Hockey to Heroin Road to Recovery Podcast with your host, Brady Leavold.
2: Welcome back, lonely, back yeah. to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the Road to Recovery. This is episode number 58. You know, this is Brady Leibold coming at you guys live from Morrisburg, Ontario. Still up at Matt Thompson's house. Uh, really enjoying my time up here. I uh, had turkey dinner the other night. His girlfriend, Caitlin, made it for us a week before Thanksgiving. Uh, but listen, um, thank you so much uh, for tuning in, whether you're watching live or listening on the Hockey Podcast Network, guys. Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, Before I get into it, uh, I would just ask that everybody say uh, a quick prayer and give some love to my girl Taylor uh, down in Bracebridge. Uh, She's due any day Uh, and I'm up here. And uh, you know, she's also got the two little ones, Hadley and Lincoln. Uh, Hadley's just in school, but uh, she's very pregnant, very big, um, having a pretty hard time. Uh, I've talked about it quite a bit on my live videos and stuff. If we could all send Taylor a little bit of love down in Bracebridge, uh, I would truly, truly appreciate it, guys. Hope you're all having a great, great Wednesday morning. Like I said, I hope you're listening uh, on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you're not watching live, you could check them out, guys, anywhere on social media at Hockey Podnet And, of course, their website, www hockey podcast network.com I pulled up the wrong picture there. There we go. How about that one at hockey podnet the hockeypocast guys you could check them out. They have so many podcasts always building and uh, we like to support them. Nisha are doing such a great job out there in Victoria uh, so much on their plate. I, I don't know how they do it. Uh, I have one podcast. Uh, and it's crazy and they have something like 40 that they have to deal with uh, so good job kudos to them guys let's support them of course uh, I do want to say quickly too, um, thank you to Warren Nye uh, he is uh, also joined um, Brenna Leary David Carlson and my auntie Lee Chris Chuck um, on patreon Uh, thank you so much Um, anybody that wants to support me directly uh, that's how you can do it I don't do well uh, with accepting gifts and people uh, have Honestly like wanted to send me money directly and I'm like, no, 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 no. no." but if you want to support me directly This is how you can do it Uh, because at least then uh, I can I thought I had it here beside me But I guess I don't Uh, at least then I can send you a picture signed picture of me or one of my guests or something Uh, And we're gonna continue to build on that at least it makes me feel a little less Awkward. Thank you though, Warren Nye. Uh, your picture should be arriving soon and special thanks uh, to David Carlson Who's been coaching uh, Matt and I uh, on the skate sharpener Matt bought a skate sharpener uh, for our senior men's team That's right. The Maxwell Mustangs. That's right, buddy. The comeback is on the comeback is on I've been on the ice a couple times um, and it's been uh, challenging to say the least uh, but it's lots of fun, and uh, of course, guys, you know I'm going to talk about the Pucksport Foundation. This is really where my heart and soul lies right now, and right now it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Just want to remind everybody, okay? Uh, you know, we all struggle with different things, guys. Uh, you know, I have so many different things uh, that are going on for me personally. You know, obviously I'm battling through addiction. Uh, I've been clean for seven months, uh, give or take. Um, but guys, we wanna end the stigma around everything, around mental illness, um, around addiction, around it all. Uh, but this week especially, October 4th to the 10th, uh, is Mental Illness Awareness Week. Guys, if you're struggling, uh, cross the ticker there. You can 1833456. 456 4566 or text 45645 anywhere in Canada guys if you're struggling uh, if you're watching it's along the bottom there it's real guys it's real uh, the struggle is real uh, but there's hope uh, and that's where the Puck Support Foundation comes in that's where uh, places like the Canadian Mental Health Association come in uh, and you know what if you look uh, where, wherever you live and I'm sure if you live in the states if you're listening to if you look Um, there's support Uh, and you know sometimes it takes time Uh, it can be trying for sure it's a process no doubt uh, to try to find the right people the right therapist whatever the right program is for you it takes time Uh, and I know for me I was like that instant gratification guy right like I want it now I want to be fixed now Uh, and that was my problem uh, for a long time Uh, so Learning to, to reach out and just trust the process, guys, there's a lot of great people out there. Um, and you know we're trying to build the Puck Support Foundation. Uh, this is, like I said, where my heart and soul uh, lies. Uh, if you want to get involved, uh, you can email us team at pucksupport.com and find us anywhere on social media at pucksupport. Uh, you know, it's in its infancy, no doubt, uh, but You know, this needs to happen, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I mentioned there's a lot of great supports out there. There are, Um, and I want to find ways, we want to find ways to bridge the gap uh, throughout communities um, across, you know, North America and Europe, hell, even the world. Um, And, but the problem for me was, uh, you know, I I identified as a hockey player, you know, like for so long, that that was all I thought I was. You know, without that, I thought I was worthless. Um, and so when that was taken from me, it was like, you know, I was like, I just wanted like another hockey player to like understand what I was going through or, you know, I didn't, maybe it wouldn't have fixed me, but you know, I just remember thinking those things and, uh, you know i just feel that if we can come together in the hockey community it's not just players we're not talking and i say this all the time guys sorry if i repeat myself but we're not just talking about like elite players here we are talking yes we'll filter down from the nhl and and minor pro into major junior and junior and all of that but we include everybody guys minor hockey especially minor hockey that is where we need to to like get in with these kids and, and start, you know, making the change early, right? Um, and it's not just players, it's coaches, it's parents. The hockey community uh, is really small and it's tight-knit. And uh, I found that out over the course of these past few months. And uh, I think I'd be, I don't know where I'd be without the hockey community. So thank you to everyone that supported me and supported the Puck Sport Foundation. Uh, but we have a long ways to go. Um, so please, please do get involved. Uh, there's a couple different uh a couple amazing different fundraisers going on right now and uh before i get in uh, to the episode i will just quickly touch on this um you know i have this vision of being spon- i'm gonna say it I'll, I'll just say it candidly i have this vision of being sponsored by warrior hockey um and uh us being you know puck support warriors uh and there's a couple people in mind right now that you know are puck support warriors and this is one of them right here that's dave gilmore uh yeah he's turning 70 november 14th this guy is gonna run 20k bike 50k to raise money for the puck sport foundation it's unbelievable Uh, dave gilmore obviously everybody knows who he and his brother doug are Um, up in kingston i hope to be there Um, matt and i hope to be there on november 14th Um, at least I can't keep up to him even though I'm only 33 and he's turning 70 uh, but hey I hope to be there uh, and Dave thank you so much man you're an inspiration uh, I am working currently on a video right now it should be done probably by tomorrow um, so everyone will get to see what a transformation this guy has made and what an inspiration he is he, he truly is not only to me but to so many people he's lost over like a hundred pounds uh, and really changed his life so Keep going, Dave, you're the man. Um, One other um, thing I wanna say, the last thing before I get into the episode is congratulations uh, to everybody that got drafted in the first round yesterday. Congratulations to everyone that's uh, gonna get drafted. But I wanna say to those of you that don't get drafted, it's not the end of the world. This is just one example of many, Wayne Gretzky never got drafted in the NHL either, people keep telling me. Uh, But listen, Martin St. Louis, great example. Never quit, never give up on your dreams, and if it's not hockey, um, you know, it could be something else. Just don't give up on yourself, guys. Um, When people say no, keep believing in yourself and great things can happen, I promise you. Um, But I do quickly wanna say, What a great, great, great gesture by the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Having Howard Chuck's wife uh, announce the 10th pick. Congrats to Cole Perfetti. What a great kid he is. Um, And uh, what a class act. So just wanna quickly say that um, classy move uh, by the Winnipeg Jets. Other than that, guys, let's get right into episode 58. And you know this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check them out. Team use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Let me take the picture down. Now that you see my team-issued hat and the sign, oh, dodge in the wrong way. I gotta get my hockey player on here. All right, check it out though, guys. I got another order team-issued coming any day. Uh, support, WHL alumni, Jesse, Paradise's company. All the guys in the NHL have been rocking it too, I've mentioned. Uh, promo code TOEDRAG15 uh, to get 15% off. Your total purchase. Okay, without further ado, he's been waiting. He's been waiting. We could do it. Let's get right in to episode 58. Craziness, craziness. Where's the time going?
0: many openly gay athletes in professional sports here in canada not a single nhl player has ever
1: come out as lgbtq now though a former nhl
0: prospect has broken a barrier brock mcgillis played in the ontario hockey league the canadian university system and semi-professionally in europe Recently, he published an emotional coming out letter. In it, he details how the culture of hockey made him feel he would never find acceptance. That he trusted no one and felt so alone, he didn't see the point in living. Probably the biggest struggle I've ever had. I lied. I lied to myself, I lied to the world, I lied to everyone in my life. And I was never happy. is a very a homophobic place. The, the culture of a dressing room is there's words used that are demeaning towards the LGBTQ community. There's, there's words used that are demeaning towards women. I suppressed it, I I suppressed everything I I felt, I I suppressed everything I knew I was. And I would get angry at myself if I had any homosexual thoughts. I forced myself to be hyper-masculine and live the hockey lifestyle, so to speak. There was a number of times I thought about killing myself. It crushed me, I, I, I hated hockey. I hated life. And I was like, I'm a hockey player, Brock McGillis hockey player. It, it's just who I was. I was watching television one night and I was watching a hockey game. I was going to school at Concordia at the time and, and I saw um, Brendan Burke. Brendan had come out that night publicly and and with the support of his father and his family. Because there are a lot of gay athletes out there that deserve to know that there are safe environments where people are supportive of you regardless of your sexual orientation. Brendan obviously passed away. Two days before he died, we were talking on Facebook And at the end of the conversation, he wrote to me, I can't wait till you're out to your family like I am to mine. I just looked at that and I was so taken aback. I didn't know what to think. I'm like, why would he say that? And I think he knew how deep my struggle was and how bad I felt and Then he passed away and I was grieving alone. I was all alone, I had nobody in my life who knew that I was gay, let alone that somebody I'd become so close with in a short period of time passed away. I um, told my brother, it didn't change a thing. My brother was playing professional hockey. He hugged me and our relationship was been the same if not better ever since you will feel better you will be happier and you will be stronger when you learn to love yourself for who you are I think in our lifetime we will see gay hockey players in the NHL I really do slowly there's a shift in society and and it whether it's the current group that's there or the future group if we can implement these programs and make people aware of their language and how it's affecting their teammates their their you know their the players they're playing against and everyone else that'll shift i love being a gay man
2: all right buddy what's going on let's welcome him in without further ado brock mcgillis man thanks for doing this brady
0: thanks for having me
2: hey man i've been looking forward to doing this for a long long time uh we talked a couple months ago and i know you've been uh really busy um but before before we get into the episode look i'm like fighting back tears over here um because listen you know I don't know exactly what you went through, um, but you know similar things for sure, and, and we'll get into that. But I, I just want to say, um, like I said, though I don't know exactly what you went through, thank you, thank you for having the courage and and, and you know standing up for not only yourself uh, but for a whole generation of people. And uh, I can't I can't tell you that, that there's probably um, like you said in that intro uh, a number of. Uh, hockey players out there um, you know that are feeling a lot better about it and in fact I won't name names but I've actually talked to one that's also come out publicly too and um, you know so th- things are changing Brox and I think you had a you had a huge huge uh, part in that so thank you
0: well thanks I really appreciate that It's uh, it's been a grind it's been a journey and um, hopefully we're starting to see the ripple effect of you know the four years of really- yeah. yeah
2: and that you know it that's a thing right and people don't understand uh how much work really goes in uh to you know what i mean everything that you're doing and uh, uh i mean i have a, a a small taste of it uh but you've been doing it for years and uh talk a little bit uh about what the journey's been like uh start to finish uh you know playing uh, minor hockey uh how how soon did you know Brock? And excuse me while you talk. I'm just I'm listening. I just gotta plug my computer in because it's gonna die.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, oh gosh, I I remember um, watching a movie with my parents. I was six or seven years old, and there was a gay character, and I said, "What if I'm gay?" And they said, "If you're gay, you're gay. You're Brock. We love you." And um, that was you know always in the back of my mind, but. Um, I think you touched on this earlier uh, about yourself, um, hockey took precedent and it became my identity, um, through minor hockey and, and I was the stereotypical kid. I lived in a really small town outside of Sudbury, Ontario and, um, lived down the street from the rink and would be at the rink every day. And, you know, I skated 12, 15 times a week. Like you just uh, couldn't drag me away from the rink. And um, because of that, um, that's all that mattered to me. And I got really good, like I became, you know, uh, a prospect for played in the O, um, became an NHL prospect, and and um, I started to recognize the attitudes and behaviors and the culture of hockey, and I knew I had to conform to fit in. So I did.
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's what we do. So I don't know if you know about this and people, if they've listened, they've, you know, they've heard me talk about this a little bit, but so like I was, you know, I was sexually abused by an older man, uh, when I was, you know, fairly young, uh, you know, like five, six, um, and you know, so for me, uh, it was a little bit different experience. So, you know, around that time, as you know, are in the schoolyard and in the dressing room and you touched on it, uh, you know, you start hearing things and some of them being homophobic slurs. So as a kid, so because, and I'll explain this to you. And, and so this is what I was dealing with. So, um, Uh, this happened to me and then so like when you learn you start to hear kids you know start to say these derogatory things and you start to see it affect like i saw people's lives get destroyed in school based on things that weren't even true you know what i mean so i see this happening and 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 i'm like holy shit if people find out what happened to me or what's really going on with me like i'm finished right so i you know i i hit it down and i hit it down and then I started to hear people start to talk about, you know, calling people gay or whatever. And so I'm like thinking in my mind as a young kid, I'm like, well, an older man did this to me. So does that make me gay? Like, so for a long time, I was going through life. Thinking I was gay not that I was attracted to men uh, or anything, but just having that confusion right Brock and it was right You know, so actually in grade eight, uh, I actually told my girlfriend that I was gay Thinking you know what I mean because I had trying to trying to say that you know without I was trying to say I was gay first by breaking the ice and then telling her whatever because I was just so confused and um you know, so for you to go through that, I can kind of like understand what it's like to have to suppress it. Uh, so, you you knew from a fairly young age is what you're saying. Um, when did you realize uh, that it was going to be a, a huge uphill challenge, um, and and like in fact you started to get scared about it to like come out and, and scared of what people were going to think?
0: Um, puberty. Yeah. Like, well, in my teens, um, definitely. I And and as I became more immersed in the hockey culture and, you know, there's three things you're typically allowed to talk about in a locker room. It's uh, women partying and sports. So um, when that started to happen and I didn't really relate to, you know, the stuff about women, I just decided to um, – At that point, I said, you know, I'm just going to, like, fully take on the traits. And I became a womanizer. I became, like, this cocky, hockey bro who walked into a room like I thought it was a god. Like, I owned it. Um, And I was really depressed. Like, I had a season-ending injury every year from 15 until I retired in my late 20s. Every single season. I had mono two or three times like that just doesn't happen and i think when it really hit me i was 17 or 18 and the injuries were piling up i was struggling because i wouldn't admit to myself that i was gay i would fight it i would but i was really struggling and i'd go home at night to my billets place and cry and then i'd start drinking i would drink to numb yep And uh, more than one occasion in the OHL, I tried to take my life. Yeah. Um, And it was just too much, and and I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't fathom it, and and um, I didn't think I could be gay and be a hockey player. And hockey, I'd worked so hard at it, so I didn't want this other thing to be real or true. Wow. And. Yeah, so I think I drank every day from twenty or from eighteen to twenty-three. Wow. Yeah, and
2: and that only makes things worse, right? And 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 man, uh, do you ever think like? Do you ever think, so like I, you know, I used to beat on myself because, you know, my hockey career never went as far as I thought it should have or whatever, but I'm over it now. But because now I, I do you ever think that maybe, um, you know, these things happened, like your injuries, um, because maybe you weren't supposed to, you know, have a career as a hockey player and you were supposed to just make it far enough as you did to create the path so you can have the story and, and so you can really do what you're meant to do now?
0: Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Um when I was playing, like I I always thought I was meant to be a hockey player. Like that was my destiny in life. And then when I retired initially, I really resented hockey. But then I started working with athletes. I started doing office training on a skill development and I was working with about a hundred players daily. And I was really good at it and, and I was having fun with it. And then I started thinking, well, maybe my, you know, hockey gave me the knowledge and the tools and the ability to guide these kids and maybe that was my path. Yeah. But it wasn't. And I realized that about 6 years in I was like this really isn't for me. This isn't what I'm meant to do with my life. And after coming out and having the opportunity to start speaking and becoming an activist and everything else, I realized that hockey gave me the platform working with those hockey kids and their parents and seeing struggle and be able to, you know, guide them through their careers enabled me to have the tools to help other people. Yeah. And, and now my, my, you know, mission and goal in life and what I think I'm really here to do is to help guide people through their struggle Yeah, and whether it's adults or youth or whatever, and, and share my story and, and use that platform to um, help people within hockey culture and out of hockey culture.
2: I love it. And that's, that's exactly how I feel with, with my story. And I think, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, I, I say it all the time, like I wouldn't trade, even though I, I, you know, I was in jail for almost, I did three years of my life in jail and over two different times, like after being almost in the NHL and homeless in the streets of Vancouver and Hastings and and all of this, like, and and I wouldn't, you know, the only thing I say, I say all the time is I lost time with my kids. And that was the only thing that, that I regret, but Other than that, all these life experiences that I've gained have put me in a position to help more people. And, you know, and that to me is a true gift. And, you know, I just think, you know... I went through a lot. I heard you mention that, you know, you were contemplating suicide and thought about suicide while playing major junior hockey. And, you know, me too, while I was in the Western League, you know, for, for other reasons and, and different things going on. But still, the, the thoughts are there, right? And uh, I'm sitting here wondering, like, how how common is that? And, and, I mean, we're a little older now, so I would hope that things are different. Uh, but did you have... Did you feel like you had any support at all? I mean, with it's different with mental health and addiction, but when you're coming out uh, you know, as gay in a professional sport or major junior sport and you're like that, that must have been like, man, kudos to you. And you must be like you must be so proud of yourself. And uh man, I, I just feel like I just wonder like how much support did you really like you might, did you feel like you had any support uh while playing in junior? And I already know the answer probably, but I wanna hear you say it.
0: Yeah, thanks. No, um, honestly, in hindsight, I wish I would have came out before junior. Um, I wish I would have came out when I was younger to my parents, and my family, because they are so inclusive and supportive. Uh, my biggest fear with that is my dad coached triple A junior hockey for 30 plus years and scouted in the OHL for a long time. Yeah. And my brother was the first round pick in the O and played pro and I, I was just afraid that they'd become more sensitive to the language in locker rooms and stand up to it, and in the process, I'd be outed. Um, so I are telling them, but in hindsight, um, I could have had a support system around me that would have, you know, protected me or insulated me as a child. Because the reality, when you're playing Major Junior, you're a child. And um, if I would have had that around me, I think I would have been in a better position and mental state and and had the support system, you know, with uh, psychologists or, you know, therapists and different things to be myself and also play the sport I love. Um, but ultimately, I was alone. Like uh, one night I was trying to kill myself and it was actually a, a, a journalist from the Toronto Star that like saved my life. Wow. And you know what I mean? Like it wasn't even team people. Like it was, I would never tell them. Yeah. That w- that would you know everything would be over that day. Um, it was so there was no, and there still is none. There's no support for kids. They're not coming out. There's no support for NHL players. They come to me, even non-gay ones, people struggling with mental health or addiction, come and talk to me. Yeah. Because they're afraid to tell their teams guess what? They're done.
2: That's right. And that's, and sorry to cut you off, but that is like, you know, and and it doesn't have to just be the Puck Support Foundation. This is our idea. But like, this is the thing, right? Like, so, you know, we brought on a a lady by the name of Sandra Murray and I can't butcher her credentials by any means because I can't even say the word. I don't know what they, but she's, you know, certified in mental health and addiction and, and things and she's worked in the O and. Um, in fact, the OHL, some of the teams don't really like her because she's been outing their their programs and saying, hey, like, there's some holes here and we could do more. And, uh, you know, I just feel like you're absolutely right. Um, people have touched on this. I've touched on this. And, and, you know, when you're going and, you know, sharing things internally with your team, like. Man, I, I I didn't tell the the sports psychologist in Swift Current when I was playing there that I was you know contemplating suicide because I was 17 years old and I knew that I was like I'm underage. If I tell this guy I'm gonna commit suicide, I'm done. Like you know what I mean? He's forced to tell the team, my parents, all of it. And I mean that's a different thing. I mean I don't ever but want. To, I I just think that we need to break that.
0: Where I had we, I had yeah, adi- a guy that plays pro come to me recently and he told me a story about. Uh, It was his first year that he was about to make the NHL. And um, he went to the team sports psychologist because his brother just went into rehab. And the team cut him the next day. Wow. You know what I mean? So this stuff still exists at the NHL level all the way down through minor hockey. And um, they, they look at anything that's as a distraction or... You know they have their judgments and and you know and and the the sad part is if they just looked at it as well if this player is this good struggling how good would they be if we helped them like look at Robin Lehner yeah yeah you know he got help and look how good he's been and and that's the real reality is it's like if they just recognize it's the same thing as helping somebody with their skating or you know and any other skill on the ice
2: that's just it
0: then then they would gain a better hockey player because that's all they give a shit about right they they don't
2: oh look we lost you there for a second
0: am i here yeah you're there uh they don't care so much about people as they do the production
2: well, that's it, and, and we see it all the time, and, and this is the thing, and what what do we do, Brock? Like, what, what what can we do? What can the hockey community do uh, to change uh, to change? You know, that mentality. Because at the end of the day, it's a business, right? And I understand it. Listen, I understand it at the NHL level, but listen, I don't understand when people say, "Oh, they're making ten million bucks a year; they should deal with it." No. No, no,
0: it's it's everyone has struggles. And and I think what the biggest thing they have to realize is from a a team perspective or or uh, a business perspective is how do you get the best return on investment? Right. So just look at it as as business, because that's what hockey is. Yeah. Hockey is an entertainment business. That's all it is.
2: It's true. Yeah, I've never it's, looked it's, at it that way.
0: <laughs> it's a sport. We love sport. And and at young levels, maybe more authentically a sport. Um, and even that today, I mean, minor hockey coaches are paid 100 grand. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a business. Yeah. They're privately owned in the GTA. Like, it's not. It's big business. You know, the Chicago Mission, I think it is, has like, uh, you know, a budget of a quarter of a million dollars you know, from minor hockey. And, and where um, does each,
2: any of that budget go to, to mental health is my question. No, of course
0: not. But um, if they realize that by properly helping these people with well-being, with mental health and destigmatizing it um, and take it a step further, break down the barriers of conformity within the culture of hockey. Yes. Then they're going to get a better return on investment. When people can be themselves, fully themselves, whether it's you know Dougie Hamilton's been traded twice because he'd rather go to a museum than go drinking with the boys. Um, th- there's a point per game defenseman that's six foot five and a right handed shot that can skate. Like that's every team's dream, and and he gets dealt twice because of that. Doesn't make sense to me. So if the, they recognize that by enabling Dougie Hamilton to just Be himself. And if he loves art, go love art. That's awesome. Celebrate differences. Don't make people conform to this idea of what a hockey bro is. Yes. And if they don't fit that, then you don't want them. Then you're ultimately going to create better hockey people, better people, happier people, and a happier person is a more productive person. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: and well and this is a thing too and and we can look at this right outside of the hockey community as well too and if you if we start to uh you know implement these things uh to younger generations to the kids and, and we you know do exactly what you were saying you know and the stigmatism and and around you know being you know coming out all of it uh, mental health all of it we just educate at the proper times and everything you will start to see you know a less stress on the medical system 10-15 years down the road because people won't be you know going through all these they'll be better equipped to deal with things that are happening in their lives and and I think that you know certainly in the hockey community but just just in general I, I can only speak for my myself and, and the way that you know the schools I went to and, and the things because everywhere is different but I, I really feel generally speaking that that we really need to do a better job collectively um, at educating uh, the youth coming up um, in so many different areas and I'd love to hear what your thoughts on that and and what would your suggestions be uh, if there's any parents listening uh, and they they're dealing with Uh, with you know kids that are um, you know coming out or or trans or or any of that because you know I've talked to uh, a couple uh, actually young hockey players that are in transition right now and it's just they've they've inspired me like this one this one kid has inspired me so much it's unbelievable I wish I he's just a kid so I can't talk about him but it's just unbelievable Um, so I would just love to hear your thoughts on that Um, and I'm sure you could ask that all the time
0: um normalize and encourage your children to be well-rounded people um for too long we've you know based our identity in if we're talking about hockey people we've based our identity solely within the sport and then so many people are lost after um so normalize other hobbies one thing i do when i go into locker rooms and talk to teams now is when we're done i say okay you tell me your family, or use an analogy like your brothers or something like that. Tell me something you wouldn't typically tell a teammate that you enjoy. And then I have tough guys saying, like, oh, I love to write poetry. I have major junior coaches say, I love Broadway musicals. I have players say, I want to be a zoologist if I don't make the show. And then other kids are like, I love animal documentaries, and now they're bonding on on a completely different level.
2: Yeah! Wow, that's amazing.
0: Normalize those things, and put an emphasis on mental health. I think we, for so long, we're because it's it's not a visible injury. We just don't we take it for granted. Um, we 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 don't understand it, therefore we should suck it up or tough it up. There's no blood. There's no bones broken. So. Um, I'm a big proponent in exercise as a means of improving your mental health, but that's not it. I think uh, kids should be journaling their feelings. Yes. Um, daily, at a young age, um, I meditate twice a day. I think meditation should be taught in schools. Agreed. Um, I, I think you know it should be normalized that if you're struggling, you can talk about it. Um, personally, I believe if we got to a point in our healthcare system where therapy was free and accessible to everyone, it would be a huge win. Um, I think to your point, it would take so much pressure off of the healthcare system if, if we did that. Like I know when I was living in Sudbury, I grew up in Sudbury to see a psychiatrist there took a year. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's not Okay. You know what I mean? And and therapy is, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour. Like, that should be uh, provided free and it should be a part of our healthcare system. It should be normalized so that people, especially for youth, so they get into the habit of sharing and talking and they feel comfortable doing it instead of bottling up. Because the more you, like, you keep suppressing, 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 the way I look at it is there's only so much space in you to push things down before they boil up to the surface and blow. Yeah. So we need to be able to talk about things. Like, imagine if you had worked through your abuse as a child. Yeah. Imagine if I had come out and worked through my sexuality uh, before coming out publicly, like telling my family in my late 20s and coming out publicly in, in my 30s. You know what I mean? Like, where would we be today? And, and hockey or not, irrelevant. But we'd be in better states. We probably wouldn't have had the struggles we've had, um, yeah. you know, or as many of them, we, and we'd be more comfortable and open talking. It would have taken so long. And and how many people still aren't? Yeah. You know, or go their whole lives without. And are they living a happy life? Probably not. And, and we've created, and, and I also think we need to, I, I don't like using these words like toxic masculinity or f- fragile masculinity or any of that bullshit. I think it's you know, um, it 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 leads to barriers. But I think we have to break down masculinity a little mm-hmm. bit and this idea that we got tough things out, suck it up, man up. Well, you know, you should. It should be okay for you to have feelings and be a man because we all have them. It should be okay for you to have hobbies that and joys and passions that may not be deemed masculine even though you're a man like we got to break down these stigmas within the male community and, and men within you know between men and and talk and open up and share and and be okay with it because there's a reason why women live longer um <laughs> yeah. there's a reason why you know we we're more prone to suicide um it, it, it's time to shift those things
2: yeah i i i agree 100 and and i think you know I, I don't know man like i just i think back uh to the struggles that that i was having as a kid and you know um i i try to sometimes think about you know not like I could go. Wish I could go back there so much. But just you know, I, I look at it so I can say, okay, well, if someone else is going through that, what can we what can we do to to make a change, or how can we make it so that if somebody else is in that situation, what can I do, or what can people I know collectively do to to just help that person or a situation? And um, it's I don't know, man. I think we just got to keep talking about it um, and getting out there. Um and, and like you said, normalizing it like that. You said it and I can't I just can't reiterate that enough. And that is what it's all about, isn't it? Because it's whatever people are used to or, or comfortable, comfortable with. Um, and the sooner and we we, you know, make people like, you know, Feel more comfortable with everything, to, whether it's asking for help or coming out, or or whatever the case is. Then obviously it's uh, we're going to be in a better position. But what? Where do you see the change um, from the time, say, you came out until now? Uh, has there been a, a much of a
0: change? I think um, it's tough to say. I think. I think. People, uh, youth today, are more, as a whole, receptive and inclusive to the idea of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I don't think language, if we're talking hockey culture, I don't think language has evolved as quickly. Uh, There's still a lot of homophobic language that's used, sexist language that's used. And we've seen even recently, you know, that there's still a ton of racist language used. Um So I think thoughts have shifted, but words haven't because people are immersed in that culture. I think that's where things have to evolve still. Um, there's definitely been a shift in the sense that, you know, um, two players, three players have come out in Europe um, in the last few months. Um, we have Yannick Duplessis, a young kid came out in, uh, New Brunswick who was playing triple A hockey and, um, we're starting to get to a point where people are getting a little more comfortable. Um, that said, there's a lot of gatekeepers in the sport that don't want it to happen. Um, that, that. You know put up barriers of entry for people like myself to come in and shift the culture yeah um i think they're afraid they don't understand they don't get it so they're afraid and that it is what it is and it just you know it's frustrating but yeah. it just takes a little more patience and time um i think we'll get there and i think we just have to get people to recognize uh, again first step break that conformity there's something that i i live by it's that normal doesn't exist we're all a bunch of weirdos and that's beautiful yeah. you know because it would suck if we we're all the same and in hockey we act the same and and when we recognize that we're all different we're going to be less likely to judge somebody else for their differences yes. and once we stop judging people for their differences we're going to be more receptive to different people being around yes
2: man you're, uh, wise beyond your years, Brock, aren't you? Oh, You're not even that old man, but I, I, you know, I think that the, the hockey community, whether it's, you know, um, players that are yet to come out or, or players that aren't gay at all. I just think that the hockey community, uh, in general, like you said, guys that aren't gay call you, uh, for mental health and addiction, uh, issues and things. And, um, Man, I think the like I said, the hockey community is very, very, very lucky um, to have had like have had you come through the the ranks of minor hockey and junior and and, and persevere. Because imagine Brock, imagine if you didn't. Imagine if you would have acted on um, some of those thoughts that you had, right? Imagine if if you did take your own life because let's be honest like you were those feelings were real like that's how much you were hurting right
0: oh completely i mean i was like i've i went beyond thoughts i attempted and um you know i mean i'm grateful to be here i i'm happy and i love my life um you know it's it's scary to think about that it you know, could have been me. Um, but uh, there was a bigger plan there. And uh, I have to trust that. And, and you know, I, I fought through it. And now, you know, every barrier that gets put up on my way to shifting things, um, I just keep persevering. And, and I think, you know, I learned that through um, my struggle set and if I can get through that, I can get through anything.
2: Yeah. And and I think that's you know, and that's isn't that the beauty of it? When you make it through the other side, it's it's it makes you realize we're a lot stronger than I, I know for me I can only speak for myself, but you know, I I always I walked around like I was tough and, and it was just, you know, and sure I fought in hockey and I guess, you know, sure did I win some fights? Sure I did. But I'm no tougher than anybody else. It's just, it, it, and in fact, the people that go through their life, like, so, you know, the people that are their authentic selves, those are the tough people, you know what I mean? Like, the people that aren't walking around with, with, with you know, masks on, and I'm not talking about COVID-19 masks, um, you know what I mean? Like, those are the tough people, and I think, yeah, my tea has arrived, My tea has arrived. I haven't had a tea yet today, and uh, it's here. Uh, But thanks, Matt. And, uh, you know, I just, man, I I don't know. I just, I kind of lost my train of thought. Brock, help me out, man. Help me out.
0: No, I, I envy a lot of the people that I see, like even just within the LGBTQ plus community, those people that, you know, are more of a stereotype you know, that maybe are effeminate gay men and, uh, like, are unapologetically themselves. I I think it's braver than I've ever been. Um, Seeing teenagers and kids come out at young ages, I think, is so brave and I'm envious of them. They get to live their whole lives as themselves. Yeah. Um, Seeing kids transition... It's like you get to live your truth. Yeah. I waited so long to do that. And and so I, I, I think, you know, uh, when you're talking about the mass, I thought of uh, the documentary. I don't know if you've ever seen it. The Mass We Wear.
2: Mm. Yeah, I have. I love that one.
0: Uh, you know, just on masculinity and the yeah. things we do to ourselves and, and and how we pretend and fake who we are. But it's not tough. Not at all. It's, it's a persona and, and deep down it's actually the opposite. It's weakness. It's fear of being ourselves and and being our authentic selves and needing to fit in and conform and and not sharing who we are and our emotions and our feelings and everything else is actually, I think weakness. And yeah. um, that's why like seeing young people who do it, I think is incredibly brave, and to the point you made earlier, normalizing it for youth—you know—would shift things in the future so greatly. Yeah,
2: that's well. I I've actually, I actually haven't mentioned this on a podcast uh, before, but I. I, have a, I actually have a younger half-sister. I'm not going to name her or anything because it's not my business to, to air her stuff, but I do have a younger half-sister that I don't talk about too often. She's out West, and she's actually – she's come out openly gay a few years ago when she was about cool. ni- 19, and, uh, you know, I – actually, we haven't spoke too much just because, you know, with the things that I've gone through, we drifted, but I, I know – you know what I mean? So I think – you know what I mean? Like, it, it – It's not as uncommon as people think. And I think, you know what I mean? This is the one thing I want to clear up for people too. And I've heard people say this stuff like, Oh, nowadays there has to be, you know, I've heard people, you know, these ignorant people that are always, you know, making comments about this and that, how things got to go back to the way they were, you know, these fucking assholes that we, whatever, they're just stuck in their old ways. Well, no, this is my concussions. Now I see, see how I forget what I'm thinking about. Um, Remind me what I was just talking. Oh, man, I had such a good point oh, just, there, Brock.
0: Um, nowadays, uh, like people who talk about how things have to go back the way they were. Yeah, And you're t- talking about, um, you know, probably this your, your sister having
2: yeah. come out. I, I totally forget, but it'll come back to me. But I had such a good point. Uh, it was just about how the, I wanted to make a statement to the people, and now I forget what I wanted to say, that, that just are not willing to change. And, and I have an idea of what I wanted to say, but I want to make sure that it's the right way, and uh, it'll come back to me. But, you know, I just, I just think that, you know, the progression has been so great. And, and so what I was trying to say is, like, you know, we're seeing more people come out. Uh, we're seeing more trans people. Um, and what I wanted to say to the people is people, it's not that people are influencing people to do it. It's that people are now normalizing it more so people can actually be their true selves. Like that is what's going on here. That is what I, that's what I like truly believe is what's going on because we're seeing a lot more people. It's still not where we need it to be and where I hope it to be, but uh, you have to like in the last 10 years, we're talking generally speaking, Brock, you, you can talk on this more.
0: Yeah. So I, um, I've never mentioned this publicly, um, but one of the reasons I came out was I was living in Europe, and I sat myself down and and I was playing hockey over there, and I said, okay, like two things are gonna happen. One, if you don't get your shit together, your you know career's yeah. over, and two, um, you're probably gonna be a end up dead. So before I moved back, um, I was coming back to Toronto, um, I checked uh, a dating website, and this was pre-apps. And I could see any city in the world, and I checked my hometown. And I saw a lot of men in their 50s or 40s at the time who were married to women, and I went, holy shit, that's going to be me. I'm going to have kids, a wife, and then I'm going to be online looking yeah. for men, if you know, in my 50s and 60s, and I don't judge them because they come from a different generation where it wasn't okay, and in some cases illegal. Um, you know, like, I don't agree with cheating. Maybe they have an arrangement. Maybe they don't. I don't know none of my business, but for me, I thought about it and said, you know, I live in a time where it's legal and I can be myself. So why would I put other people through that or myself? Um, The reality is, is there's a lot of queer people who couldn't live their life, not because they didn't, you know, want you because they weren't allowed. Yeah. And, and it was illegal or they'd be, you know, in some place in the world, they're still getting killed. And and I thought, like, you know, so for people to say it goes back or like they're being influenced, no, they're just uh, like able to and they want to live their true authentic selves and be happy, you know. And, and we're seeing it in numbers, like newer studies are showing that it's closer to 20 25 percent of the population that actually identifies as part of the LGBTQ plus. Yeah. And then we're seeing that some regions in, you know, the U.S., like states like Arkansas, it's like, or Alabama, it was like 3% identify as LGBTQ+. plus. Well, guess what? Yeah. It's not okay to be gay there. So, yeah, of course they're not identifying that way. Yeah. So the reality is we exist. We've always existed. And, and people can't be recruited into being gay or queer or trans or anything else. Because if they were, if that was actually true, then the people spouting that would have been recruited too. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it just doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. (laughs) Um, But but we exist and we exist in large numbers and larger than what society even realizes. Uh, A friend of mine just finished med school and they learned in med school that 40 percent of millennials experiment with the same sex
1: yeah
0: like that's a high number you yeah. know what i mean so like whether they identify as gay or not is relevant they're still experimenting with the same sex and and so for people to be ignorant to not realize that is just ignorance
2: yeah and i you know and i think that's the thing and i i I, I want to believe that the world's trending in the right direction uh, with this um, and with a lot of uh, other topics like mental health and addiction and things like this that typically have a, a stigma, maybe not as great as, um, you know, coming out as being gay. In, in, but in some cases, you know, the, the stigma is there for a lot of these things. And like I said, I want, would like to believe we're trending in the right direction. But, I mean, there's one thing, there's, there's, there's something to be said about awareness and then there's something... To be said about taking action, and what can the what can you know people uh, in in you know that are struggling out there? What can they do? What can the steps if someone somebody was listening right now um, and you know was thinking about coming out or whatever? What would what would be your first uh, suggestion? What would be your first tip? Where would you direct them?
0: Um, well, first, like if they ever need to talk, might like hit me up. Um, that's number one. Number two, what I typically suggest is you need to learn to accept yourself. I couldn't accept that I was gay for a long time. I refused to accept it. I suppressed it. And only you can accept you. To get acceptance from anyone else, like everyone talks about acceptance from their family or from different people, it's a that creates a hierarchy. It means that like straight people are here and queer people are here, and we need their acceptance to be on the same level as them. Yes. Well, to me, that's bullshit. We're all equal. Yes. Um, so only you can accept yourself. And when you realize that, then you stop looking for that outward acceptance of yourself. You look inward. And, and then if people aren't supportive or inclusive, well, if you accept you, you're, you're going to be less likely to be impacted by that. You're still going to be, but you're, you're going to have that sh- inner strength. And then number two, once you learn to accept yourself, learn to love who you are. I say constantly that I love being a gay man. And I say it intentionally because a lot of people never hear that. And when you learn to love who you are, then none of the hate or judgment or ridicule that you may receive will impact you the same way. And then you're on your path to living your authentic life.
2: That's awesome. I I think, listen, man, uh, I think we'll, we'll wrap her up here pretty quick, but you know, listen, uh, I'd love to have you back on again. And I think, you know, I think we touched on, on a lot of great things. And I, I, it's my hope that, you know, we're going to, we're going to touch some people with this episode and and inspire them, uh, regardless of what, what people are dealing with, just to find the courage, uh, to face it. And and sometimes, you know, it it starts with self-acceptance and self-love, right? I think that is where it starts. So, um, you know, I just, you know, Brock, I want to say thanks, man. And if, uh, you know, there's anything else you want to say before, uh, we wrap up and like, but you know, speaking from the whole hockey community, um and, and just everybody thanks man and you know, there's so many uh people that are, you know, probably gonna either watch this or maybe who cares if they see this or not. Um there'll, there'll be people that aren't even born yet, Brock, that you will uh have affected and changed their life and, and the path of their life. So thank you so much, Brock man. You're an inspiration.
0: Well thank you. And you know what, I, I, I heard you say at the beginning that you've been You know uh, clean for seven months and congratulations on that and and you know I know it it can't be an easy road and um, just keep going because you matter and it matters and um, that is likely inspiring a lot of people
2: awesome Brock man you're the man thank you so much I you guys want you want to tell everyone where they can find you on social media
0: Yeah, uh, Instagram, Brock McGillis33, Twitter, at Brock underscore McGillis. Perfect. All right, Brock, thanks so much. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. All right, guys, that's
2: episode 58 of Hockey to Hero and the Road to Recovery. Big thanks to Brock McGillis. What a guy. This guy, uh, huge inspiration to so many. Um, Wow. Uh, Lots there to dissect. Um, thanks everybody for watching Uh, I hope um, that uh, if you took the time to watch or listen on the Hockey Podcast Network that uh, you heard something uh, that you could take with you Um, whether it be with you uh, maybe you could share it with a loved one or maybe just maybe you heard something today that will change your perspective to make sure that you're just a little bit less judgmental, and a little more, a lot more actually, accepting and loving of everybody. (laughs) Nobody's in a position to judge anybody. (laughs) You know, if you wanna sit there on your pedestal, your pretend pedestal, and think you're looking down on people, it's the other way around. It's a sad, sad, sad way to be. And it's my hope that everybody can be a little more kind to each other and a, a lot more accepting, guys. Big thanks to Brock McGillis, to everybody that's watched. Make sure you subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. Make sure you follow the Puck Support Foundation at Puck Support. Visit our website, Not the. Let me try that one more time. (laughs) PuckSupport.com. Not the PuckSupport.com. Check us out, guys. Um, It's just me doing everything right now, so I apologize if it's not the greatest, um, but I'm working hard, I'm trying, and uh, we're slowly but surely piecing things together. Um, Taylor, if you're watching, listening, I love you lots. Um, I miss the kids like crazy Uh, Brooklyn and Brody if you're listening you know I love you and I miss you Um, yeah Uh, I'm just gonna hold my tongue for a second on that one Um, but I love you guys Um, lots going on um got practice coming up here soon with the maxville mustangs don't know what's going on with the season because of covid19 um but i do want to say thanks to matt thompson caitlin gallivan his girlfriend and matt's dad lauren thompson lt for having me here uh, matt's dad's staying with him too right now um matt is uh honestly probably one of the best friends i've ever had and uh if I didn't have him right now, I would be royally fucked. And I'm not even going to say pardon my French because I I seriously don't know what I would have done. So um, thank you to Matt. Thank you to Taylor and all of her family for picking up the slack. Especially her Aunt Diana for watching Lincoln throughout the days while Hadley's at school. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you lots. Please, please. Please, if you're struggling, reach out to me, to Sandra Murray, Executive Director of Mental Health and Services for the Puck Support Foundation. And uh, you don't even know how much that just warms my heart to be able to say that. Um, Because I know so well that guys are struggling, girls are struggling. Um, And uh, we can provide a little bit of relief. So, Sandra, you're an angel. Thank you. Uh, Before I go, I want to give a very, very special shout-out to Dale Southard. What's up, buddy? Um, Love this guy. This guy uh, held it down with me while we were behind bars. Um, One of the few guys uh, that I met in jail uh, that I would actually... Um, hang out with outside of jail and Dale keep doing what you're doing man on the right track Um, I love you lots Um, him and I uh, had some amazing amazing talks uh, while I was in there oh Macy wants to say hi Uh, while we were in jail he really uh, helped me and and opened up to me and uh, so Dale man thank you stay strong brother Um, thank you to everybody for watching listening on the hockey podcast network, please, 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 like, share, subscribe on YouTube if you're watching, um, and please tell people about the Pucksbore Foundation. Uh, we need your help. Um, there's a couple of GoFundMe pages. Hashtag PSF Gratitude Crusade. Thank you to everybody that's donated. Uh, if you donate uh, on the Gratitude Crusade, you will be. Uh, Forever in the Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio There it is In memory of Matthew Lazinski, you can't see it But that's the plaque We do everything um, For our fallen brothers and sisters in the hockey community and especially Matthew Lazinski never forget Hashtag PSF gratitude crusade. What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for stop and ask yourself right now and if you have to think about it? Shake your head a little bit. You shouldn't have to look too far. You're alive. You're breathing It's pretty amazing. You have unlimited potential Make some good choices surround yourself with some good people and amazing 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 things will happen I also want to give a very special shout out to my cousin, Ryan Otamira, out there in Japan. That's right. We're getting listenerships of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery in Japan, guys. That's right. My cousin, Ryan, uh, living out in Japan. Thank you so much, cuz, for all your support, buddy. Um, and to his uh, mom and dad, my uh, Uncle Rich and Auntie Barb, out in Richmond, British Columbia. Uh, thank you for all your support. Uh, Anyways, guys, that's it. Episode 58, Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery, featuring Brock McGillis. Big thanks to Brocker. Great guy. Uh, Be sure, guys, also to check out the Puck Support Foundation's first warrior, Dave Gilmore. Turning 70, raising money for the Puck Support Foundation. Search it up on GoFundMe, Puck Support. There's a couple different... uh, pages there and uh that's it guys that's it i hope you're all having a great wednesday thank you for sharing your precious time with me and brock mcgillis today ah we don't have a lot of time here life is like an hourglass guys when you flip it over and the sand starts falling you don't get any of that sand back so remember every second that passes you're losing a little bit of sand, so how are you gonna spend that sand today? Somebody told me that analogy once and it always stuck with me and I love it. How are you gonna spend your sand? I know how I'm gonna spend mine. I'm gonna try to make the world a little bit better today and I'm gonna get a little bit better today and right now I'm gonna go, I'm gonna tell all the people that are closest to me, my girlfriend, my dad, I'm gonna tell them I love them. I'm so grateful that you listened, I'm so grateful uh, to have all the things I have in my life, and I'd love to hear what you're grateful for. Comment uh, on my Facebook page. Let me know. Uh, and if you can afford $5, please donate to the Puck Sport Foundation Gratitude Crusade. You will be on the Matthew Lisinski Memorial Wall of Gratitude. That's it, guys. That's it all for today. Episode 58. Thanks again for the last time. I know I've said it three times. Brock McGillis, guys. If you're struggling, please, please, please reach out. Sandra left her number there. There's also the Suicide Prevention Hotline uh, and many other great resources. You don't have to struggle alone, guys. Make some good choices today. Change your attitude. Change your perspective. And remember, guys, have a great day if you so choose.